Galatians. And today we are going to look to the changeless promises uh, of God. Um, as we, we go through what we have to, to look into today, I just wanted to, with us, to kind of review some of the things that we look into uh, in the chapter, in the first verses of the chapter, uh, of the chapter three. So last week, uh, Bolaji uh, walked us through the verse one and, and verse 14. And I try to, to look back and to look again exactly what we can retain from these uh, uh, verses that we look into. So we, to sum it up, we, we could see that the Galatians were understanding wrongly the basis on which uh, they have received the acceptance of God's grace toward them and also on which basis God has granted them his spirit. Then we have seen that Abraham was declared righteous before God in the basis of his confidence in God, meaning his faith, not his keeping of the law. That was in verse six. All who, are the, the faith similar, all who have the faith similar to the faith of Abraham are sons of Abraham and share in this blessing, verse five, six, and nine. Wanting to be accepted by God on the basis of keeping the law, leaves us under a curse, the curse of falling to fully keep the law in which is death. Then we also see in verse 12 and 14 that Christ accepted to bow the curse so that the believers will receive in him the blessing that God has given to Abraham. So basically that's make us, uh, uh, beat us the question exactly what are the blessings that God has, has given to, uh, to, to Abraham. So if we remember how uh, uh, our brother Lou introduced uh, the books to us, we look into the father's plans, uh, talking about justification by grace, the uniqueness of the, of the, of the gospel. And today we are, we are continuing in the second part of our study, which is the sons of the family. Uh, well, basically the son's family, the, the, the family that Christ acquired um, through his work to God. Today we are looking into the changeless promises. And I ask uh, one of our dear sister uh, to read the passage to us. So today we are going to look from Galatians verse three, 15 to 29. This is where we are going to concentrate ourselves. So please, I'll ask you a little bit patience uh, as we go through these passages. So Amy, Phil, uh, you can go ahead and read the passages for us. Okay, I'm reading from Galatians chapter 3, uh, verses 15 to 29. Brothers and sisters, let me take an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant that has been duly established, so it is in this case. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scripture does not say, and to seeds, meaning many people, but and to your seed, meaning one person, who is Christ. What I mean is this, the law introduced 430 years later does not set aside the covenant previously established by God and thus do away with the promise. For if the inheritance depends on the law, then it no longer depends on the promise. But God, in his grace, gave it to Abraham through a promise. Why then was the law given at all? 
It was added because of transgressions until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. The law was given through angels and entrusted to a mediator. A mediator, however, implies more than one party, but God is one. Is the law therefore opposed to the promises of God? Absolutely not. For if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. But scripture has locked up everything under the control of sin, so that what was promised, being given through faith in Jesus Christ, might be given to those who believe. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Let me just pray for us as we go through these passages. Father, we are so uh, so blessed today to be to be able to see this day in Ben to to be together as a family of faith to come before you just to to worship you and at the same time also to listen to your word. Father, I pray today that as we listen and read it together, that you will open our eyes and our heart, that you will instill into our heart what how great and wonderful is the promise that you have given us and what you have set for us in Christ Jesus. Open our mind, Lord. Open our heart. Renew into our heart the joy of your salvation. Impart it, Lord, for your son. We ask you that in Jesus' name. Amen. So today, uh, as we look into that passage, what I was thinking is uh, trying to, for us to break it, break it out in, in four different ways. Uh, meaning basically what promise God has, has, has made to Abraham. It's important for us to try to look into that and try to understand exactly what's the promise. Since, since we are talking about the changeless promise, then be the question, what are we talking about? What is the promise, in fact, that we need uh, to, to look into, which is, in fact, uh, unchanging? And also, if we have remember in what we just read, uh, Paul was just saying that the promise was directed to one person, which is the seed that God had in mind when he gave the promise, and that person being Christ. That'd be the question then, how is Christ the seed of the promise made to Abraham? And then Paul talks about the law and how the law that was given 400, 400 more than 430 years later does not annulate the, the promise. And it then be the question, why, why then was the law given? And what was the purpose of the law? This is what we want to look in the third part of our breaking down of the verses today. And how the promise still are still effective and valid for the people of Christ. For us to be able to, um, to, um, to, to go through the first point, what I felt like is like to go through the passages in the whole testament in which in fact in which god has spoken the promise to abraham 
And what I feel like, and I, I was interested in doing today is to encourage each one of you, my brothers and sister, as we go through these passages to read them. Uh, we'll have the passage in the screen. So as one of them come, just please don't be ashamed, open your microphone and read it. The passage is going to be right in front of us. Uh, I want one person, it's seven passages, so I would like to have one person to read each one of the passage. Can be uh, uh, in, whether in French or it can be in English. The passage are going to be in English on the screen. And then on the, on the, on the, on the bottom part of the, of the slide is going to be the next passages so that one, once somebody is reading, you can go ahead and look to the other passages if you want to read, okay? So please feel encouraged to join us as we read them together. Don't be shy. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will, and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who blessed you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord uh, had told him. He took his wife, uh, Sarai, his nephew, Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan. And they arrived there. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord what appeared to him. Our next passage is Genesis 13, 14 to 17. The Lord said to Abraham after Lot had parted from him, look around from where you are to the north and south, to the east and west. And the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. Genesis 15, 4 to 21. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to them, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, to your descendants, I give this land from the Wadi of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kinesiites, Kadamanites, Hittites, Perizzites, Raphaites, Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites and Jebusites. 
Our next passage is Genesis 17, 1 to 11. Quand Abraham est 24, 24, pardon, je recommence. Quand Abraham eut 99 ans, l'Éternel lui apparut et lui dit, Je suis le Dieu Tout-Puissant. Mène ta vie sous mon regard et comporte-toi de manière intègre afin que j'établisse mon alliance avec toi et que je multiplie ta descendance à l'extrême. Abraham se, se prosterne la face contre terre et Dieu ajoute, pour moi, voici quelle est mon alliance avec toi. Tu deviendras le père d'une multitude de peuples. Désormais, ton nom ne sera plus Abraham, père éminent, mais Abraham car je ferai de toi le père d'une multitude de peuples. Je multiplierai à l'extrême le nombre de tes descendants et je te donnerai d'être à l'origine des divers peuples. Des rois même sortiront issus de toi. Je maintiendrai pour toujours mon alliance avec toi et avec ta descendance après toi, des générations en générations. En vertu de cette alliance, je serai ton Dieu et celui de ta descendance après toi. Je te donnerai ainsi qu'à ta descendance ce pays de Canaan où tu vis maintenant en étranger. Il sera votre propriété pour toujours et je serai le Dieu de ta descendance. Puis Dieu ajoute, de ton côté, tu respecteras les classes Clause de mon alliance, toi et ta descendance, de génération en génération. Voici quelle est mon alliance avec vous et avec ta descendance, quels en sont les termes que vous devrez respecter. Tous ceux qui sont de sexe masculin parmi vous seront circoncis. Vous porterez cette marque dans votre chair et cela sera le signe de l'alliance entre moi et vous. The next passage is Genesis 17, 17 to 25, 24. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. God said, No, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son. And you, you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He shall father 12 princes and I will make him into a great nation. But I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. When he had finished talking with him, God went up from Abraham. Then Abraham took Ishmael, his son, and those born in his house or bought with his money, every male among the men of Abraham's house. And he circumcised the flesh of their foreskins that very day, as God had said to him, Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. And his passage is Genesis 18, 17 to 29. Then the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Abraham will surely 
become a great and powerful nation and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of the enemies and through their offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Amen. Amen. Yes, uh, brother, thank you very much for, for pre uh, prêter à cet exercice de lecture ensemble de, de, de ces promesses que l'Éternel a faites à Abraham. So, as we look into them, we can say that what God promises to Abraham basically was to give him a piece of land, a piece of land on the earth, exactly in the region of the Mesopotamia where Abraham was living. God had taken him out of his country and sent him purposely to give him a piece of land. We also see that in the promises that God spoke to him, God was to give him a child, a seed, an offspring. Abraham has no child, neither did Sarah add any. So God promised him a seed. And also God make, make him a promise that he will make of him a great nation, a big, a huge people, uh, a unique people for God himself. Remember he said that this is the covenant that I made with you. Your, your, your children will be my, my people and I will be their God. That was the, 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 the term of the covenant that God made, made with Abraham to have a people of whom he will be the God. And also to bless all the families of the earth through him and through his seed, through his descendant. So that basically in, nutsh in the nutshell, the promises that God gave to Abraham. And remember that now uh, Paul told us that Christ was the seed that God has in mind when he, he made the promise to Abraham. So that beat us the question then, um, who is, how is Christ being the seed? But if we, before that, before we go in there, if we look into uh, the map that we have here uh, in front of us, so we can see basically what is the area that according to the promise should have Abram inherit in that region of Mesopotamia, as we read here from the Nile River into the Euphrates. These were kind of the borders in which Abraham was to, uh, to inherit. So we, we can see that all these things will be quite a very, very important piece of land, which is quite different from uh, what we see as what Israel is, uh, is uh, considered to be as a nation today. It's far much bigger than what we, uh, Israel is occupied today. But the goal here is not to say that Israel needed to occupy or must occupy more land than what they already have, but to look into exactly what was the promise that God gave to Abraham. So as time goes by, and it's interestingly, God knows that Abraham is not eternal. God is eternal, Abraham is not eternal. So from generation to generation, God is going to pass the promise to other people and specific people in the line of, uh, of succession. 
Abraham as Isaac and Ishmael. Ishmael was the firstborn. Yet the promise of God did not go to Ishmael. It went to Isaac because Isaac was specifically the seed that God has in mind when he said that I'm going to give you a son. And through that son, I'm going to accomplish the promise that I made to you. We can read that in Genesis 26 and, and 2 and, and 5. This is basically what the Lord says to, to Isaac. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you to live. Stay in this land for a while and I will be with you and I will bless you. For to you and your descendants, I will give all these lands and I will confirm the oath I swore to your father, Abraham. I will make you your descendant as numerous as a star on the sky and I will give them all this land and through your offspring, all nations on the earth will be blessed because Abraham obeyed me and did everything I required of him, keeping my commands, my decrees and my instructions. And that's quite interesting and wonderful. Then after, Israel, after Isaac, God gives the promise to, to Jacob. And remember again, uh, Isaac has two sons, Esau and Jacob. Esau was the firstborn and Jacob was the, the last, the Benjamin. Yet the promise God gave was specifically directed to Jacob and not to, uh, to, uh, to Esau. You, here we have the passages. If you want to take them, you can read them and see how God will appear and show himself to Jacob and confirm personally to Joseph, to, to Jacob, the promise that he made. After Jacob, then uh, uh, Jacob passed the promise to his 12 sons, in particular to Judah. And this is what we say, what we, what we read in Genesis 49, verse 10. The scepter will never depart from Judah, nor the ruler's, ruler's staff, from between his feet until he to whom it belongs shall come and the obedience of the nation shall be his. Then from Judah, the promises goes down to David and Dave will make a, a new covenant with David in which he assured David that forever his descendants were going to be in, on the throne. The Lord swore on oath to David and sure, and as sure of, he will not revoke one of your own descendants who I will place on your throne. And this is from Psalm 132, verse 11. And it understood that the Messiah was to come from the line of David. And to the Messiah, the promise is given. In Daniel 7, verse 13 and 14, we read exactly this at God reveal what's, what's to come to Daniel in a vision. This is what Daniel is saying. In my vision at night, I look and there before me was one like a son of a man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory and sovereign power. All nation and people of every language worshiped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. So we understand that the promises of the ruling and of all the world, of all the nation will come to the Messiah. 
interestingly, Jesus is the Messiah. And this is something that Jesus will even himself assure in his, uh, during in his time of ministry. He is the seed to whom the promise was given and to whom the promise, uh, in whom and through whom the promise will be accomplished. Thus, we can see here through these passages how, in fact, Paul can say in, 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 in Colossians, uh, in, in Galatians 3, that Christ is the one through whom the, 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 the promise is accomplished. Why then was the, the law given at all? It was added because of transgression until the seed to whom the promise referred to had come. The law was given through angel entrusted to a mediator. Mediator, however, implies more than one party but God is one. Is the law therefore opposed to the promises of God? Absolutely not. For if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. But scripture has looked up everything under the control of sin, so that what was promised, being given through faith in Jesus Christ, might be given to those who believe. So that comes again to that important question that God, I could, that Paul, in fact, asked you, why then the law? If the promise that God has made as a promise to bless Abraham and all the family of the earth through only a promise without even looking to Abraham obeying to a specific law, why then the law was given? And remember that the law in which we are talking about here is the law given to Moses, which in our passage here is in Greek is nomos, and which also is the word translated for Torah in Hebrew. And basically the Torah and, and nomos are a set of instructions, or teachings, accepted uh, rules that uh, uh, are given, whether they will be divine or they will be a human. It could be a human uh, ruling could be a divine order or a divine command. The word was used for that. But in this specific time, specific case here, we are talking about the law of Moses, which also, when we read in the Bible and we talk many times about the law, could also refer to the entire five books that were written by Moses, which we call the Pentateuch. Sometimes this part of the of the Bible. In the, in the ancient testament is referred to the law. But here we are talking, Paul is talking specifically to the set of instruction that God gave to, uh, to, to Moses. And the Torah was meant to, uh, to rule, uh, uh, to cover every aspect of the life of a Jewish man. If we look here, we have it's basically an aspect of what was the Torah in, 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 no, in the Torah, we had the Ten Commandments, which were written on the table that God gave to Abraham. We have the instruction how to worship God, all the instruction to how to build the the the, the temple, how the the the, the priests should work, should should work, should dress themselves, all these instruction and law of who could enter into the into the the holy of holy. All this was contained in the, the part of uh, of the of the of the law, which is which we call the Torah. 
the rule, the, the ritual of cleansing, the law of purification, the law of dietary restriction, what you can eat, what you cannot eat, uh, the law of national festivities, even the, 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 the national festival were established in the law, all of them. So we see that all the parts of the life of the Jewish uh, men and, and nation was controlled, if we can say that, or establish how things will go by the Torah. So it was very, very important uh, uh, for a Jew. You know, uh, it will be difficult for a Jewish to basically um, see a life that honor God and exalt God out of the Torah. It was unthinkable to be able to please God through the Torah. So Paul is saying here that um, the Torah was given and that now that Jesus Christ came, the Torah, is, the Torah is no more relevant to be accepted and justified before God. One also aspect very important of the Torah is that it also established how the relationship between God people and the, the rest of the nations of the, of, the, of the world will be. One important thing of the Torah, the reason why the Torah was given is that the law of God reveal who God is. It reveals what God loves, his character, and also what he's looking into. In, verse, uh, in Genesis 18, 27 and 19, we do, then the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and, 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 and just. Before God gave the, the law to Moses, God still had laws that he will give throughout human history. People did not have to wait for the Ten Commandments and for uh, all the all the specification that we have in the Torah to be able to understand who God God is. Adam received instruction and law from God, through which he was supposed to know what God wanted for him and God expected to to him. The you shall not eat from the fruit of of that tree was for for Abraham, for Adam, the law and the instruction that God was giving to him. In the case of Abraham, of Abraham, Abraham also received instruction from God. He received directive from God what he was supposed to do and what God expected from him. And all throughout this, it was meant to know, to I mean, to reveal who exactly God was, what he's looking into, and what he loves. Psalm. Uh, 40, 45, 6 to 7 tells us the Lord is a God who loves righteousness and justice. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever, and the scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. So through the law, 
we are meant to understand what God wants, what God is looking for. Then the Lord said to Abraham, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation and all nations of the earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children in his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right, what is right and what is just. I, I want us here to look to this word, just and right. Micah 6, 8 and, and 10 tells us, he has shown you, O men, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, but to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. In Matthew 20, 23, when Jesus was talking to the, the, the Pharisees and, and declaring hope to them, he said, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrite, you give a tenth of your spices, mint, deal, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. So in contrasting uh, the, the, the Torah and what God wants, we do understand that oh, what uh, God has referred uh, uh, by saying the way of the Lord, we notice that the term righteousness, justice, and mercy are very important. We can over add to that also uh, humility and faithfulness. God has not left to the people um, the, I would say that the freedom of just imagining who God is or trying to find out by themselves exactly what God's love, what God wants. God has revealed to people throughout generations who he is, what he loves, and what he wants. And that has been from Eden into even the coming of Christ. And also we found out that one of the reasons the law was given was to protect people from sin, to protect the people from being that like all the rest of the nation in which Israel was going to go. He, was revealed, he has revealed his word to Jacob, his law and decrees to Israel. He has done this for no other nation. They do not know his law. Then the Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, I am the Lord your God. You must not do as they do in Egypt, where you are used to live. And you must not do as they do in the land of Canaan, where I'm bringing you. Do not follow their practices. You must obey my law and be careful to follow my decrees. I am the Lord your God. Keep my decrees and law, for the person who obeys them will live by them. I am the Lord. But you must, you must keep my decrees and my laws. The nation, native born, and the foreigners residing among you must not do, must not do any of these detest, detestable things, for all of these things were done by the people who live in the land before you, and the land became defiled. If you defy the land, I will vomit, it will vomit you out of its out of out at its at vomit out the nation that were before you. Keep my requirement and do not follow any of the detestable customs that were practiced before you came and do not defile yourself with them. So 
Israel, by obeying, by following the Torah, was supposed to be a very, very unique people, a unique people for God. And also, as we look into uh, in verse 19 and 24 of our main passage today, we see that one of the reasons that Paul says that the law was given was to reveal sin to people, to show people the reality of sin. That doesn't mean that uh, sin wasn't there, that human being was, would not uh, sin. Sin was there, human was sinning, even without the presence of the written law. But the law was given in the way that the people will clearly know when they are, when they are faltering toward what God expected and wanted for them. In Romans 3, verse 20, we see, therefore, no one will be declared righteousness in God's sight by the work of the law. Through the law, we become conscious of our sin. And one of, our, one of the very, very non-passage, which is Romans 7, uh, says exactly this. I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law. For I would, have, I would, have, I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But sin sizing the opportunity offered by the commandment produced in me every kind of coveting. For apart from the law, sin was dead. Once I was alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang to, to life and I died. I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. For sin sizing the opportunity offered by the commandment deceived me and through the commandment put me to death. So then the law is holy and the commandment is holy, righteous and good. Yet what is good then became to me, to become, became to de death to me by no means. Nevertheless, in order that sin might be recognized as sin, it used what is good to bring about my death so that through the commandment sin might become literally sinful. It's when, it, when only God tells us and shows us what is sin, that we can, in fact, we say, oh, really? Okay, what I was doing is sinful, is not accepted before God. And this all was to prepare us or to prepare the, pe the people for the receiving of the coming Messiah. And this is exactly what, uh, what Paul is tell telling, us, telling us. But the scripture has locked up everything under the control of sin so that what was promised being given through faith in Jesus Christ might, in Jesus Christ, might be given to those who believe. Before the coming of the faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come that, that to come would be revealed so that the law was our guidance until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. And we all understand from since the beginning of, of, of Paul's argument that the main of the law was never so that we would become just by us keeping the law, doing the law, but it was to show us that we needed a savior, we needed grace and only grace that God could, God could give us. Then we come to the question to how then is the promise still valid for the people of God? As Paul says here, so in Christ, Jesus, you all, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ 
and clothe yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heir according to the promise. So through that verse, that passage, Paul is showing, is telling the believers that through their unity in Christ, their union with Christ, they are now the heirs of the promise, which is fact even confirmed also in the book of Hebrew in chapter, in, in chapter nine, as we read, for this reason, Christ is the mediator of a mediator of, mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promise eternal inheritance. Now that he had died as a ransom to set free from the sins committed under the first covenant. So we see that through Christ and in Christ, that barrier that was brought by the law. Remember, the Lord had this aspect that was to tell the Jewish how they should relate it to other people. Even that to make it that the Jewish would not enter into the house of a, of a, of a, of a, a non-Jewish person. Uh, if he did, it would, it would be considered as breaking the law, as somebody that uh, was in fact breaking the law. So that was giving that kind of enmity, uh, dissension, division between the Greek, the non-Jewish and the Jewish. But through Christ now that they have believed in Christ, that they have come uh, Jewish and non-Jewish in favor of Christ, they are now being one people, one people in God, one people in Christ through the new covenant. For that to happen, the aspect of the law that forbidden the Jewish to associate with a non-Jewish needed to be broken, needed to be dealt with. And Christ did that through his sacrifice. So in Christ, there is now one people, one body, uh, who is to be the people of God. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of the covenant that uh, those who are called may receive the promise of the etern eternal inheritance. And in Ephesians 3, 6, we read, this is a mystery that through the gospel, the Gentile are either, either together with Israel, members together of one body and shares together in the promise of promises, promise in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus. In Ephesians 2 and 23, we read that uh, we are no longer the foreigners, but we are, we are fellow citizens of of the people of God, both Jewish and non-Jewish. It was, it was not through the law that Abraham, the law that Abraham and his offering received the promise that he will be heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who depend on the law Air, faith means nothing and the promise is worthless. So we come now to the part where we are looking into, okay, how are these promises valid to the people of God? If we look to the fact that, okay, the promise was given to Abraham, it was a piece of land in the, in the east in Mesopotamia, how then this related to the rest of this multitude of people that will come to, 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 to God by believing in Jesus Christ? One of the, of, the, of the 
of the of the point that I see and I as I look into that is that the promise that God gives goes beyond a piece of a land in the eastern part of of the world. In fact, I argue here that this is the entire world that God is promised to his people. We are talking about the entire renewed, restored world, which is given to the people of God. And we can find that in these passages, in Daniel 7, 18, 28, and, and 20, 27, we read, but the holy people of the Most High will receive the kingdom and will possess it forever. Yes, forever and never. Then the sovereignty, power, and, and greatness of all the kingdom under heaven will be handed over to the holy people of the Most High. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom and all rulers will worship and obey him. In Matthew 25, verse 34, Jesus said, then the king will say to those in, on his right, come, you who are blessed of my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Then we read in Revelation 5.10, you have made them to be king, a kingdom and a priest to serve our God, and they will reign on earth forever. And lastly, we read in the book of Revelation, as we look to the coming of the new Jerusalem, it is said, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth are passed away, and there was no longer a sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. There will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no longer death or mourning or crying or pain for the whole order of things are passed away. And who he who seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cause from the spring of the water of life. To those who are victorious, those who are victorious will inherit all these and I will be their God and they will be my children. So here back again to what God wanted and had promised to Abraham to give him a, a property, a land, and to be, to have a people that will be, of, of whom he will be the, the God. This is exactly the same promise that would see fully accomplished, fully uh, realized in the person of Jesus Christ. But this time, not only a piece of land, but the entire world. And God being himself, dwelling with these people. In this sense, that promise God made to Abraham is eternal and still continue to abide and be valid for the Christian, for the people of God today. So this is what I had in heart as I was looking into that passage. I'm fascinated to understand and to see that the promise is not, not, not even the spirit that is given to us not even the justification that is given to us. 
because the spirit is given to us believers as a sign of the inheritance to come. The spirit, the giving of the spirit is the beginning of the inheritance. It's to say that this is my, 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 my child. This is my, 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 my seed that has to inherit what I promise. And God gave the spirit and God also gave the justification as the justification is the main through which the children will inherit everything that God has installed for them. So this has the things that I had in heart to share with you brothers today. And as, as, we, as we look to that promise, the everlasting promise, I believe that we have reason to continually be worshiping and rejoicing in God for what he has done.